Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's another episode of Simply Amazing. Uh, Tim Ryder, back with us as always, is Taryn Sharma. Uh, Not much going on in Mets land, making that depth push very much uh, evident. I guess everyone's kind of waiting for the uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto shoe to uh, to drop. Taryn, how's uh, how's your lead up to the uh, to the holiday season going? Yeah, you know we're just enjoying Karamas Part Two uh, this year. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm doing well. I'm I'm really excited to just see this kind of work itself out. I, I feel like it's not just the Mets that are being held hostage here by Yamamoto. It's the entire market that really hasn't moved. Uh, I think a lot of us expected things to start picking up after Otani made his decision, and we're a couple weeks removed from that now, and still nothing. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm encouraged by the uh, the fact that the Mets have, again, continued their push to fill out their depth roles. And I think the trade they made this week was um, actually one of, probably one of the best that we've seen, one of the best, you know, minor moves that we've seen uh, this offseason, at least from the Stearns front office. But, you know, I want to, let's jump into that. You know, the Mets picked up Adrian Hauser um, starting uh, starting pitcher and Tyrell Taylor, who's a um, very good defensive and very speedy um, outfielder, can play all three outfield positions. Does have some pop in his bat. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that the Mets are waiting for Yamamoto, or at least you know whatever this process, uh, waiting for this process to play out before they continue on with their more pressing matters this off season, but. In the meantime, I guess I'm I'm actually okay with the minor stuff they've done, especially what we saw this week. How do you feel about the move? Yeah, well, um, this is somebody that uh, Stearns is very familiar with, right? Uh, coming over from Milwaukee, um, this the the prospect that they sent out, Coleman Crow, uh, the guy that they got in exchange from the Angels for uh, Eduardo Escobar. So yeah. that trade already paying dividends, uh, allowing the Mets to pick up a couple of depth depth pieces here for a guy who is going to miss this entire year um, with Tommy John and was already towards the back of uh, what are the current rankings of Mets prospects. So, um, yeah, I think it's a good little piece of business. Uh, Hauser is going to compete for that, that fifth starter role. And I also am intrigued with any arm that they pick up at this point um because you know we we have this much ballyhooed uh pitching development center that uh has just launched in in this uh this past few months and so i'm excited to see what exactly they do the thing is um right th- these these great teams if you think about being the dodgers east east right the Dodgers' ability to pick up these guys, random guys, cast-offs from other teams, 
and turn them into productive major league players uh, just at the margins is what makes those teams competitive year in and year out. That's how you win 100-plus games for like a decade, right? It's that you have better depth than everyone else, which is why the playoffs is a, a completely different matter, right? You, you you can lose games in a short series because it's about how does the top of your roster really stack up to the top of other teams' rosters over a very short sample of games. So um, I'm excited to see what this can do uh, for the Mets this year, and and I think that it's a great sign of things to come. I do. I'm actually – I'm actually – I like the Hauser edition and I like Taylor too. I think he, you know, I think, uh, who was it? Puma from the, from the uh, New York post mentioned that it kind of checks all the boxes that Michael A. Taylor was checking when the Mets were showing interest in him. Well, reportedly a couple of weeks ago, but you know, we'll get to Taylor in a second, but with Hauser, you know, the Mets have been, I guess so far have been going after, um, uh, big sinker ball guys, big slider guys, nice changeup guys. Uh, what impresses me most about Hauser, uh, one, his, you know, I guess limit limiting of walks. He doesn't walk a bunch of guys. Um, I like his four seam a bunch and it's not your typical, like, you know, today's MLB four seam where everyone's kind of going for that, you know, uh, high riser. doesn't drop a lot. Um, everyone's kind of looking for that sort of blueprint. Hauser's got a four seamer that, moves horizontally um, among some of the more, um, I guess, highly quantified uh, four seams in, in, in the game as far as horizontal movement. He averages 9.2 inches horizontal, and that's going in towards left-handed hitters. Um, that's 42% break versus average and 2.7 inches above average, which is, you know, well into the uh, – 80s, if not low 90s, as far as percentile rankings. Um, his slider is done well. If they're looking at Hauser, let's say, and again, this is, wouldn't be really comparable to from a, a, a reliever to starter type of comparison, but look at what Edwin Diaz's, you know, heavy horizontal movement four seam and slider combination is done for him. I think that Hauser, under a new set of eyes, under a person who's familiar with what he brings to the table, former high-round draft pick, I think he was a second-rounder. Um, now he's got some, I guess, veteran savvy to him. I, I think that it's almost a perfect storm for Hauser to really hit that next gear. And just like the Dodgers East that you mentioned, I think the Mets kind of struck while the iron was just at the perfect temperature to um to really make the most out of uh, a trade like this and you know without peterson in the mix and if you're still of course they're going to fill out the rotation um as before spring training begins of course once yamamoto signs they'll either have him in the fold or they'll have to pivot and, and fill out the the higher end of the rotation but i love the depth i love the internal competition that they're trying to or at least appearing to try to cultivate and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. I, 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 I'm actually encouraged by it. Um, do you think that Hauser could be, well, I guess first question, do you think that Hauser could be a true option in the back end of the, of the rotation? And, you know, 
losing Peterson as a left-hander and bringing in Hauser, it's not quite the the swap, but pr- productivity is productivity. So we'll take that. And two, I guess <laughs> not really related questions, but you've been in front offices. When you're stuck waiting and for a guy who's who might be high on your list, are you in fact like handcuffed and just kind of waiting or do you try to make the most out of the lull in activity? Yeah, I can't say that either of the teams I was with were in those positions in in winters, but um, I, I don't think that the Mets are necessarily handcuffed. I think that they are kind of just waiting to see how they're going to allocate those resources um, yeah. because I don't think it's a sure thing, right? And, and uh, uh, people have reported this that the Mets are not going to go out and spend a bunch of money, even if they don't get uh, Yamamoto for like 200 plus million here, they're not going to then go drop a hundred million dollars on Jordan Montgomery or whatever. Um, but I am interested to see if they then work the trade market a little bit more. Uh, and, and I think that this is probably more symbolic of what they might do here. Uh, not necessarily that they would part with uh, higher end prospects to do it, but, but, to take some risks on some guys and see if they can uh, can figure something out. As for Hauser, I think that he falls into that sort of McGill, Lucchese, maybe Jose Buto, that sort of mix of guys that are in that four or five kind of discussion. Um, I think you're almost certain to see Severino get a, a, a starting role at, at least to begin the season. But um yeah, I, I I think that it's at the very least a nice depth move. Uh, I don't think that they gave up very much. I think that this is a deal that was motivated heavily by dumping salary from Milwaukee. Um, they'll clear off some $7 million or something from their books. And I think that that's been an organizational mandate for them. Um, and, uh, and so it gives the Mets another option. And, uh, and so, yeah, just a good piece of business and, I, I think that the Mets are definitely like waiting and seeing, but I don't think that it's actually stopped their progress. It's it's just that most of the market, I think, doesn't want to necessarily move. I think there are some other even brewers arms that might be on the move after this, but they're waiting to see who doesn't get Yamamoto and who's interested. Um, one interesting thing, uh, I don't know if you've been following Zach Scott, who was briefly the the Mets uh general manager and is is a good guy and and was very generous with his time with me um when I interviewed with the Red Sox when he was uh an assistant GM there and um so I've always had uh, uh a lot of admiration for him um despite whatever off the field issues have happened he is a great follow on Twitter and so he tweeted out after the Hauser thing happened that Milwaukee and this would be Stearns had asked for Jeff McNeil in exchange for Hauser uh, just a couple of years ago. So he, he said that this is a, a better deal. And <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I think it's um, it's good business. We'll see if they can get him to even be more of an extreme ground ball pitcher. He's just over 50 percent right now. Um and uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens. They picked up a, a, a fourth outfield kind of spot uh, too with Taylor. So um, yeah, good business. 
I like Tyrone Taylor. I think it's a great addition. I think it's going to be a more productive addition than a, a Michael A. Taylor hypothetically would have been. Um, you know, I, I was looking through, you know, he put up five outs above average per stat cast in center field in 2022. And he did that in just 669 innings in center field. Uh, you know, I wish I had a, a decent comparison to bring that to because I'm kind of just going through his numbers and stuff and pointing out things that, that jump out at me. And that really jumped out at me. Even if you look at his power numbers. So over his last three seasons, he's hit 30, where are we at? 39 home runs over his last 919 plate appearances. Over 162 averages out to about 21 home runs. Um, even last season, 10 home runs and 231 at bats. Let's say he's getting 650 at bats. You're looking at like 27, 28 home run season on that pace, of course, which you really can't put a lot of weight into because there's going to be slumps and downturns. But, um, I like the addition. I like the upside of it. And I think that's been kind of a hallmark of what the Mets have been trying to do so far is look for guys with upside. And if that's the painting with the Dodgers East brush, I I dig it. I, I, I enjoy the allure of it. I enjoy the potential of it. I think that it could work out well, especially now that the Mets are putting so much, uh, so many resources into research and development. And, you know, we've heard all about the, the, the new pitch lab. And of course, you know, R and D and the analyst staff has just grown exponentially. You know, this, these types of moves and, and this type of push towards high ceiling, well, at least, you know, reasonably high ceiling depth. Um, and whether it be at the AAA major league level or even lower. And then of course you can't put too much stock into a, you know, a, a double A hitter coming into the system and saying, Oh, well, we have good vision for you because it's still so early, but you know, you're bringing out a guy who's a, a four a 4A player, you know, and that's not a demerit uh, uh, to Tyrone Taylor, but you know, he's been up and down. He's hasn't really made his mark in the majors just yet, but he's certainly, you know, been productive. And I think that's what the Mets are looking for. Um, I just love the objective of going after guys with potential and having the confidence in your new revamped organizational, I guess <laughs> your organizational depth chart to, um, to get the most out of these guys, whether it be Severino, whether it be Hauser, whether it be Taylor, whether it be anybody they're looking into, it might even be a higher profile move they make later in the off season. And there's, they're making that move because you know what? We think there's another gear in this guy. And even if it's a, Yamamoto, look at look at his stuff now, and then you know that you're going to have to adjust to major league hitters once they get a book. That's I'm sure been part of the pitch to Yamamoto is look, we have state of the art technologies to provide us with data, pro provide us with knowledge and information to make our players as good as they could possibly be. And I'm sure everyone's going to be throwing this at them. Yankees, Dodgers, Red Sox. I'm sure that the Giants have been involved in these things. You know, these are all organizations that are trying to push forward into the future as far as analytics. The Yankees, of course, had to come out and go, oh, we're not analytically based. Yeah, I know. You, you have to play these games. But doing, you know, going with the eye test and the gut as opposed to analytics, uh, 
versus analytics as opposed to a hand in hand kind of working baseball with all the information you can, you know, that's the way it's got to be now. And I think that whether it be the Mets, the Dodgers, the Yankees, whoever, I think finding that that balance is going to be key. And and if you're bringing in guys who are going to give you a blueprint for how their new directives and directions and, and, and what they're expecting their research and development money to do, these guys are going to be like the guinea pigs for this. And if you can get these high rises out of Hauser, out of Severino, if you turn Severino into pre-injury Severino or even just post-injury Severino, where he was, I don't want to say the same guy, but just as effective, you know, you're looking at one of the best signings possibly of the offseason. If you can turn Severino into a number two productivity level guy. Um, But even if you can make Hauser a solid back end guy. If you can make Taylor one of the more versatile and hopefully prolific bench players in the national league or national league East or whatever, however you want to view it, this is going to be what brings in more players and better players in the future. Look, we have a blueprint. It's going to work. We have evidence, you know, yeah. Putting Yamamoto yeah. aside, I mean, I just I like everything about it. I didn't mean to drone on there, but I'm I'm encouraged. I know the fan base is really, you know, oh, we're we're getting impatient. Of course you are. It's almost Christmas, and the Mets have really just made depth moves. I'm just saying I like the depth moves. I really do. I like where this is going. Yeah, and and really, it's not just a Mets thing, right? Most of the market has not moved, uh, with the exception of the Soto trade or the. Um, the Otani signing, like not that much has, has really happened. I, I guess the glass now trade, um, but yeah, it, it's been fairly quiet so far. And so this will be a big move. Imanaga is going to be another big move. Um, are the Padres going to move more salary? Cause they have other guys that are, uh, that plug right into a lineup, uh, I'm really thinking about Fernando Tatis. Like if that's somebody that they have to move um, for whatever reason, that's something that I think that the Mets, you know, you throw your entire offseason plan away. Like that's the guy that, that you really move high end pieces for. So um, you you doing the same thing for Machado. If he becomes available, I know that the organization loves him. The city loves him probably the last guy that they're going to trade even though he makes a lot of money he's still the guy who's going to be there you would assume but if he does are you making the same sort of moves for machado uh he doesn't move me the way that tatis does i I think a lot of respect that but um having somebody that you could plug right in at third base for this team in particular i think is I mean that that solves a lot of problems, right? Especially if if they were kind of counting on Mauricio to be in that mix, and maybe they were feeling better about him than maybe Beatty or Vientos. Um, yeah, I think that that solves a lot of problems and and is a middle of the lineup bat right off, uh, you know, right in the middle of your off season. So, um, yeah, I think that there's a lot of dominoes left to fall and. And but this is kind of holding up, I think, the rest of the market. It's not the Mets that aren't making moves. I think the Mets are doing what they're able to do within the confines of uh, the stagnation that we're currently seeing. But um, 
I think more moves are are yet to come, obviously. Well, you talked about the trade market, and I do think the trade market's going to pick up considerably, not just Mets league-wide. I think that's going to be um, – <laughs> by the end of the offseason, it's going to be a very highlighted segment of the offseason will be all these trades. I just – I feel it coming because we haven't seen a bunch of it yet. Um, you talk about untouchables. You talk about the possibility of a big name getting floated out there. Let's say a Tatis comes out there. Who – I mean, nobody wants to move uh, uh, Luis Angel Acuna. I think everyone's got really high hopes for him, for Drew Gilbert, Ryan Clifford. I I really like Ryan Clifford. Jet Williams, everybody seems to adore. Who who like who are you? Who are you breaking the mold for? I mean, I, I, I guess who are you breaking the mold? Really, wasn't the right phrase. Who are you shaking up that? organizational plan for of not moving your high-end guys even though you just got an influx with some really savvy moves by you know biting the bullet on scherzer and verlander and getting back some really great prospects in return you know are you are you willing to part with some of these guys if you see that just unavoidable opportunity come your way for fernando tatis for Tati, I mean, let, let, let's say that someone that we haven't even discussed, I didn't even want to throw a hypothetical out there, an elite level player becomes available via trade and it just makes a perfect sense, makes the perfect sense for the Mets. Are you willing to go into that top five to start moving people? I mean, if it's the yeah. right situation, let's say it's Tatis. Let's take for argument's sake for Tatis. Are, are you moving a Drew Gilbert? Are you moving a Jet Williams? Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. I, but okay. I think he's actually a unicorn in that, right? Like Tatis has the combination of he's controllable for his basically his entire career. He's still super young. Um he gives you positional flexibility. I know that, you know, the Mets wouldn't play him at shortstop and and he's probably not a very good defensive shortstop, but he can uh theoretically be in the uh infield, but he's defensively a very, very good right fielder. The way that he adapted to that position has been excellent. He's got a great arm out there. Um, yeah, I, I I think that he's like pretty consistently a seven to eight win player. Um, and, and he could even give you more. And so that type of guy at that age with that contract, yeah, that's a guy that I'm definitely willing to part with a significant number of pieces from what is the rebuilt farm system. But uh, that's a lot because those guys aren't going to pop on the open market. You know, like it's just very difficult to get that type of player. So I think Tatis is, is unique in that aspect. But if you were telling me like Mike Trout, for instance, was available as much as I like Mike Trout. And I think that he's a first ballot hall of famer and one of the greatest players that we've ever seen. I don't, I mean, obviously like he would be a massive addition to the Mets. And if he's able to stay healthy, if they have a plan for keeping him healthy, that's huge. But I know that it used to be like this funny thing, like, oh, the, the Cardinals fans won't trade Yachty Molina for, for Trout. Unfortunately, like that time in Trout, Trout's career, I think is, is over. And so, um, that I think makes it more of a conversation as to who they really, the scouts really love within the Mets farm system and who they would really like to keep. Um, and whether you're willing to part with them 
for uh for a guy like trout but tatis a really unique player because of those reasons that i mentioned the the lead upside the contract and the age do the ped suspension does the ped suspension scare you off for the length of his contract for considering how young he is i know he was just as productive this season and i'm sure he was being tested constantly does that stick in your mind if you're pulling the trigger on a on a big trade is that in the back of your mind before you're moving off of you know very very high end prospects to bring in a guy like tatis is that coming into your thought processes it's not any more in my mind than uh you know like the what was the the off the field did he get into an accident is that right yeah, yeah. it was an accident he lied to the team about it he broke his wrist yeah, yeah it was, it was that un- one, unfortunate that but, me more yeah than, it's like he's doing kid shit yeah because because i think that the testing is significant enough that you you'd have to be like a real henry may to think that you're going to get away with that so i think that there's like limits in place for that 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 would prevent that but not having a good head on your shoulders and and i'm not saying that that's necessarily the case or why he lied or or why he was even doing that in the offseason um because i there have been other great play you know madison bumgarner when i was in san francisco he he fell off his uh dirt bike so yeah um that stuff happens i that that I think concerns me a little bit more than than the PED suspension does. Huh, I like that. Um, all right, Taron. I, I, you know, I don't want to speculate too far into Yamamoto, but I'm hoping by the next time we record, we're going to get some more information. Hopefully, a signing by then, so we can at least move, uh, at least uh, analyze it, his signing to the Mets or see where they're going to pivot if he's not going to be here. So maybe that'll be next episode, but. I think that's all we got for today. This is just a quick one pre-holiday. Um, I want to wish, of course, a Merry Christmas to all of our listeners who are going to be celebrating on the 25th. Taryn, to you and yours, of course, Merry Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Um, what's cooking on your end this weekend? Yeah, just uh, just relaxing. Going to go to the beach. And um, so looking forward to that. And, and to you guys as well, Merry Christmas. Uh, yeah, well, I'm hoping that we'll get some movement. If for no other reason than the calendar is going to say that we are like eight weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting, that oh, yeah. we will start to get some players changing teams and and we'll have more to talk about. I think we're uh, we're down to under a hundred days until opening day. Awesome. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. But uh, I, I like where this was. Uh, this conversation was going. I hope that there's more trade talk because. Um, it's a very, very peculiar situation. I I really I'm looking forward to getting into it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, buddy. Um, everybody, we'll be back next week. Uh we'll, we'll at least we'll try to get one in before uh, in between the uh the Christmas and the New Year holidays. Um as always, you guys know the uh, the sign off, the call letters are LFGM, and we'll see you guys next time. Peace.